Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast and the series called There's More. This week's big idea is living a genuinely joy-filled life is possible. And it's based on scripture found in John chapter 15. Enjoy and thanks for listening. Yeah, let's clap for that. It's just a great week. My name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to thank you for being at Valley Point Church this morning, and really grateful that you've taken this time, and you've chosen just to set it aside to be here so that we can respond to the greatness of God. So welcome, and it is great to see you. One of our dreams here at Valley Point is to point people to real relationships that inspire real significance. We want everybody who walks through the doors of this place to know that they can have a real relationship with God. That is possible, and that is a wonderful thing to know. I can relationally know God and just have that forever friendship with him. But not only can we have that real friendship with God, but we can have that with the people around us as well, and we need those types of friendships just to help carry us through life. So it's those real relationships then that give us the opportunity to use the one life that God has given to each and every one of us to do significant things. So real relationships, real significance. And this was an extraordinary week here at Valley Point where we really saw that happen with our vacation Bible school. And for everybody who volunteered or helped out in any way, whether it was a big thing that you did or if you even did something that you think might be kind of small that contributed to the week, I want to personally say to you, thank you so much. Just a tremendous thing happened this past week and the creativity and the impact that flows out of this place is a marvelous thing to watch. And God used you, all right? You need to know that. God used you, and you were involved in significant work. So thank you very much. And can we just applaud those volunteers one more time? Yeah. Really grateful for you. So before we jump into There's More, which is our summer theme, which is taking us all the way to the end of August, and we're just going to talk about how there's more in terms of what God wants for each and every one of us. Before we jump into that, I want to give you an update on what's happening with our future real home, because there's some good news to share and some exciting things that are happening. And I want to let you know what's been going on recently is that our building team has completed the schematic phase with Horst Construction, who is our builder. And what the schematic phase is, is they're basically finalizing the exterior and the interior walls. And we're complete with that, and you can see on the screen what our future real home is going to look like, and we're excited about that and how that phase is now done. And what happens in July is we move into the design phase. And this is where the subcontractors will begin to work and they'll get finalized with the construction team there and they'll begin to work out all of the details of what's happening. And so that's going on right now and that'll be happening in July. We're really encouraged with that. The other thing that our building team is doing right now is they're working with our site engineer on our piece of property and he is helping us meet the demands that the township has given to us, saying here's the different things that you need to do to your property to get it prepared and ready so that when the design is done and you get your loan and you're ready to break ground, all of this can just happen. So these things are going on right now, and 
Our building team right now is being led by Gus Sareka, and there are several other individuals on that. They're doing a wonderful job and, again, have completed the schematic phase. We now move into that design phase, and while that's going on, we're also meeting the demands that the township has asked us to complete for our site. What else is happening? Well, there's really good news in terms of what is happening with our campaign contributions. And so that has started to come in. And I have a graph to show you. And I I don't normally get excited about graphs. You know, it's summer. We shouldn't have to look at this unless you're one of those finance individuals or people that kind of like this stuff. But this is a really good news graph that I couldn't wait to share with you today. What you can see is the yellow dotted line, and that's our plan that takes us to saving $800,000 by the end of the year. And that's what we need to have in order to prepare to get loan ready in 2015. Well, you can see right now the black line indicates what has currently come in. And as you can see, we're actually trending a little bit above what is needed. That's really good news, all right? And I want you to be encouraged with that. And I want to just take a moment and thank you for your generosity. It's making a difference, and we're on our way toward a future real home. And again, I don't tend to get too cracked up about graphs, but I look at that, I'm like, well, this is marvelous. In June of 2014, we're like ahead of the game a little bit. So smile. Will you do that a little bit? All right, you can smile in church. We're going to talk about joy today, so you got to hang with me. We're going to have a lot of joy in this place. And this is a, just a great graph. And again, I just want to encourage you and thank you for your generosity because we're on our way. I don't have any new news or new information to share with you about our water and sewer, other than we are having ongoing conversations with the township and they understand our needs and they are working with us. And I just want to ask that you continue to pray about that whole process because that's one of the biggest needs we have on our site is that we need public water and sewer. And so we're having those conversations with the township. And I just want to ask that you continue to pray that at the right time, God opens all of that up and we can continue to move forward because on the design side and on the contribution side, things are going very well and we're moving toward our real home. So that's all good news. And I wanted to share that with you. All right. Yeah, let's do that. Thank you. (laughs) All right, so we're in this series called There's More, and this is our summer series that is taking us through June, July, and August, and we're simply talking about how there's more, and that's what summer is. There's more of all the things that we love, right? There's more sun, there's more fun, there's more time to play, there's more ice cream, there's more mustaches, (laughs) apparently, I guess. There's just more. And that's all of what we enjoy about summer. There's just more of the stuff that we like and the stuff that we enjoy. But I want us to be thinking about this too. There should be more of our friendship with God. There should be. And the summer months are just a great opportunity to engage in thinking about how I can grow and deepen my friendship with God. I want you to think about this for a moment. If I have trusted in Jesus alone to save me, if I've taken that step and I've embraced his leadership and his forgiveness, then I have a forever friend in God. Wow! Like, that is amazing. 
to think that me and you, and we know who we are and we know all of our faults and all of our shortcomings, that we can have a friendship with God. That should blow our minds all of the time. But I want to let you know that is possible. And that is a marvelous thing. And there is more to this friendship with God. Like we can never reach an end to that. And so we want to spend our summer months just thinking about how there is more to this great God who desires to know each and every one of us. You know, it's amazing to consider that my friendship with God is just more than a pardon. Like, oh, I've been forgiven and that is wonderful. Yay. Like, that is good news. And that's one of the benefits of my friendship with God is that I have been pardoned. I've been forgiven. A friendship with God. Guess what? It's more than just a, a ticket to heaven. Like, here's my ticket. I've trusted in Jesus. I'm good to go. I'm there. There it is. I've got my insurance, so to speak. Boy, a friendship with God is more than just a ticket to heaven. And those are all wonderful benefits of my friendship with God. I'm pardoned. I'm forgiven. I do have a home in heaven, but there is more. And so here's the challenge. I want to encourage all of us. I'm talking to myself as well. So over the summer, I want to encourage each and every one of us to just kind of cross the line of just doing church and say, there is more to my friendship with God, and I want to discover that, and I want to investigate that, and I want to move toward the life that God has designed for me, because there's more. There's so much more. And so as your pastor, I want this summer to be about us together intentionally taking time to sharpen some spiritual disciplines. We don't always like that word because it means work, but this is a very good thing, and this is how we discover that there's more, and I can find out the life that God really wants me to live. When I begin to sharpen and push on these spiritual disciplines, and I engage in them and make them real in my life. Now, if we do that, if we really just sharpen some spiritual disciplines, and again, we're going to take the summer to talk about one per week, a discipline that we need to sharpen and just kind of focus in on. And we're going to do that throughout the summer. And as we do that, I think there are two things that are going to happen. If you really lean in and you engage, first of all, this is going to be a great summer for you. Maybe the best summer ever, because there's going to be more sun and more ice cream and more of all the other stuff that we love. And that's wonderful. But there's also going to be more of my friendship with God, I'm going to grow there. It's going to be our greatest summer ever. And I want that for me. I want that for all of you as well. Here's the second thing that's going to happen. I'm going to discover that my friendship with God is more than just a Sunday thing. Right? We think that sometimes, don't we? Like it's Sunday, and so I've got 60 minutes that belong to God. And that's God's time. And I'm going to honor that, and I'm going to give that to Him, and I'm going to engage in that. And that's God's time. But then... Monday through Saturday is me time. So that, that's God over there, but the rest of the week is kind of mine. When you look at that, right? God over here on Sunday, about one hour, we're going to honor him. And then me over here the rest of the week. It's kind of a disproportionate amount of time that we give to ourselves in light of the fact that Jesus has died for me. Right? It's kind of like mixed up. And so as we engage in these spiritual disciplines and just sharpen our focus and get a little bit better, we're going to discover that God wants all of me 
all of the time. And our interest and love for him and in him is going to grow and we're going to be in a much better place. Let me say this. If you're kind of bored with your friendship with God right now, like it's there and you're thankful for that and you know you've been pardoned and you're on your way to heaven and you even are generous and you're engaged in some different things, but you know, your friendship with God is just kind of whatever. Then this is your summer. All right, this is for you. And again, I want you to lean in. I want you to engage in this because as you think about these different disciplines that we're gonna tackle and really spend our time on, again, this will take your friendship with God to a whole new level. All right, let's look at our first discipline. We can find it in John chapter 15. And so if you have a Bible, you can turn there. You can also scan the QR code in your program and that'll bring up the scripture and all of our notes as well. You'll also find this verse on the screen. So we're going to read verse 10 in a moment. But right now I just want to look at verse 11. Because there is some powerful truth that is here that sets up this first discipline. All right, there's more. There's more to our friendship with God. We're going to think about this very first discipline. We find it right here in John chapter 15 verse 11. I love these words. It says, I have told you these things. This is Jesus speaking here. These are red letters. The red letters of Jesus. He's talking to a crowd and he says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. So I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. So a couple of things are happening here. We have Jesus saying, I have joy. I'm a genuinely joy-filled person as God. That's like who I am. That's part of my DNA. That's part of my makeup. I have joy. Oh, and guess what I want for you as my followers? I want you to have joy as well. As a matter of fact, I want your joy to overflow. I want you to remember that word overflow. We're going to come back to that in a bit because it has some extraordinary meaning there about how joy can impact our lives. All right, so here's our first discipline. The first discipline is joy. It's the discipline of celebration. And guess what God wants for each and every one of us? He wants us to be filled with joy. We're going to define that. We're going to talk about that. He wants us to truly celebrate. So it's okay to smile, right? It's okay to laugh. It's okay to clap. It's okay to run around and go a little crazy once in a while because God has done something for us. And so this discipline of joy should be the mark of each and every follower of Jesus. Here's our big idea. Living a genuinely joy-filled life is possible. All right? Let that roll around in your mind for a moment. Living a genuinely joy-filled life, no matter what is happening around you, even if there's not joy in the circumstances, even there, living a genuinely joy-filled life is possible. Now, here's the thing. Is this just to be happy and smile no matter what? No. Is this fake joy? No. We're actually looking at something that describes God. God himself is filled with joy and celebration. And he wants that to be the mark of each and every one of us. And the joy that God gives is different than being happy. See, happiness depends on our circumstances. 
And if the stuff going on around us does not lead to happiness, then we may not be happy. But even in that situation, we can still have joy because joy supersedes happiness. And it's based on the fact that my life, my life, so think about yourself for a moment. Joy is based on the fact that my life is God's work and God's gift to me. See, when we begin to think about our lives in that vein, when we get in that lane, boy, my life is God's work, me. And my life is God's gift to me. Well, all of a sudden, I can have joy no matter what is going on around me, even when I don't feel good, but that takes work. Let me describe joy this way. Have you ever met someone and they are just absolutely refreshing? You're around a person and you want to be with them because it just kind of makes you feel good and it puts a smile on your face and you genuinely sense there is some happiness about them. Or maybe you'd even say there is joy there. There is celebration in their life. Have you ever been around somebody like that and you want more and more of them? I've got a three-year-old daughter, and her name is Cambry, and you can see her picture on the screen. Recently, we went to the beach, and she's there, and she said, you know what? i got to have my tiara on. I'm like, well, it's water, sand. You know, we don't need to wear crowns on the beach. That's a little odd. And she's like, no, 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 no. i, I got to have my tiara. So I would put the tiara on, and when we get to the beach... She is just a delight to watch. She runs around and she smiles and she laughs and she giggles and then she runs around some more and she laughs some more and she giggles some more and just about the time you think she's done with all of that, she straightens the tiara one more time and she runs around and she laughs and she smiles and she giggles. It is not hard for me when I'm around my three-year-old to be filled with joy. She loves life. She just loves it, and she is genuinely filled with joy. Now, she has her moments when she whines because she's three, but she's genuinely a joy-filled person. Now, I want you to consider this, and this statement here may surprise you. All right, so get ready for this. Here's the statement. Joy is at the heart of God's plan for human beings. Joy is is at the heart of God's plan for human beings because joy is at the heart of God. Joy is at the heart of God's plan for all of us because joy is at his heart. See, so often we think about God as a cosmic killjoy, don't we? Like God always says, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. Can't, 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 don't, don't, don't. That's God. He's this big image and he's always saying no and stop and can't and don't. He is a true cosmic killjoy. And that couldn't be further from the truth. At the heart of God is joy and he wants the same for each and every one of us. Now, here's what we discovered. God's joy can be found right away on page one in the Bible, right? So if you look at scripture, there's pages one, two, whatever, and right away on page one, in the very first book, first chapter, first verse, it says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And this is a wonderful chapter that just outlines the beginning of time. And if you read on in page one, you will discover that God looks at all of his creative work. I mean, he just kind of looks out at everything and he says, it's good. 
God, I love what I've done. It is beautiful. It is good. And in page one, first chapter, first verse, the very first time we discover God, we find him filled with joy and celebration. Now, imagine if God really weren't that way. If God were this grumpy, overbearing, inherently crabby individual that sometimes we paint him out to be. Imagine if God were that way. Author John Ortberg describes God in a non-joy kind of way when it comes to Genesis chapter 1. So I want you to listen to this, okay? Just check this out. Think about God being that killjoy, that crabby individual who is not inherently filled with joy. Just think about him for a second when it comes to page one in the Bible. In the beginning, it was nine o'clock. So God had to go to work. He filled out a requisition to separate light from darkness. He considered making stars to beautify the night and planets to fill the sky, but thought it sounded like way too much work. And besides thought, God, that's not my job. So he decided to knock off early and call it a day. And he looked at what he had done and he said, it'll have to do, right? That's it. On the second day, God separated the waters from the dry land and he made all the dry land flat, plain and functional so that behold, the whole earth looked like Iowa. I've been to Iowa. It is not a pretty state, okay? He thought about making mountains and valleys and glaciers and jungles and forests, but he decided it wouldn't be worth the effort. And God looked at what he had done that day and said, it'll have to do, which is what should be on the screen right now. After that, God made a pigeon fly in the air and a carp to swim in the water and cat to creep upon dry ground. And God thought about making millions of other species of all sizes and shapes and colors, but he couldn't drum up any enthusiasm for any other animals. In fact, he wasn't too crazy about the cat. <laughs> Besides, it was almost time for the late show, so God looked at all he had done and God said, it'll have to do. At the end of the week, God was seriously burned out, so he breathed a big sigh of relief and said, thank me, it's Friday, right? <laughs> so thank goodness that's not what we read in page one. Instead, we find the opposite. God looked out at what he had done and all of his work, and he liked it, and he was filled with joy and celebration, and he said, it is good. It is very, very good. Back in John 15, I want to go to verse 10 now and think about something else that Jesus said because it really paints our picture here. So back in John 15, again, we're thinking about how joy is at the heart of who God is and what he wants for each and every one of us. So here's verse 10. Jesus said, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. So Jesus is talking here about remaining connected and attached to God the Father. And the way we do that is through obedience. So this is not complicated here. John 15 verse 10 lifts up obedience. And when we obey God, what he says in his word, what he wants us to do, and when we listen to those whispers and those promptings from God, guess what? We have a great benefit. It's verse 11. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. 
And I love this word overflow in the original language. It means to fill to the top so that nothing shall be wanting or to fill to the brim. In other words, if you do, verse 10, if you obey, if you listen to what God says and his word and you obey those promptings in your heart and you're obedient to God, then guess what? The benefit is joy and not just any kind of joy, but joy that will actually be filled to the brim and overflowing of sorts. And I think that joy, again, supersedes happiness. That is joy in the middle of whatever is happening around me. And I can honestly say some of the most joy-filled people I see are those who are walking through some very challenging times. And yet they dig deep and they understand that I am God's work and my life is God's gift to me. And I can have joy that supersedes happiness. Joy is at the heart of who God is. And God wants this for me as well. I think the real question here is, do I reflect God's joy? You just personalize that for a moment. You think about yourself. Do you reflect God's joy? It's probably easy to do that when life is great and we're living on easy street and things are wonderful and the sun is shining. But what about during the rain? What about during some tough times? Could somebody actually look at you and say, well, they are really reflecting joy. And it doesn't even make sense. I can't even be described, but it's there. I'm going to share some takeaways now. And I think this is what is going to help us sharpen this particular discipline of joy and celebration. Again, I want you to think about how this is at the heart of who God is. He wants it to define us. John 15, verse 10, if we obey, it leads to joy, not just any kind of joy, but a joy that is bubbling over and overflowing, filled to the brim. Takeaway number one, as you think about your life, begin now. You consider joy being a spiritual discipline. Like this is not just a fluffy thing. This is actually something that God wants for all of us. It's a true discipline. Begin now, not tomorrow, not later. Don't delay obedience. Boy, if you really sense that God is pushing on you and whispering into your heart and asking something of you, don't delay that. Don't push it off. Don't ignore it. Talk to somebody who can help you navigate through that and just begin to obey because that obedience leads to an overflowing kind of joy. Secondly, spend more time with people who encourage your obedience to God. Find a joy mentor. They're just all over the place. And by the way, I think that's one of the benefits of coming to church is that there are people here who can encourage your obedience to God, which leads to an overflowing kind of joy. Now, we're not a perfect church, all right? We never will be. We never will be. If you're here for the first time, you need to know that we are imperfect people just coming together, trying to figure out what God wants us to do. And we want to walk out of here and attempt to do that. That's just who we are. We are not perfect, but within this place, within this faith community, I believe you can find individuals who will encourage your obedience to God, which again leads to true joy and celebration. A couple of weeks ago, I was standing with Tanya, my wife, and we were talking to people and greeting people in the lobby, and somebody came up to her and had a conversation with her, and they were just sharing, look at all the joy in this lobby. I mean, people are just talking and having fun and enjoying their day and enjoying the people around them. 
There's just a lot of joy in this place. Tanya shared that conversation with me later in the afternoon. I was so encouraged. I think it's one of the greatest things you can say about a church family. There's joy there. I mean, imagine if somebody came to you and said, you know what, this place just sucks the energy right out of me. But I just can't stand being here. It's really depressing. Uh, nobody would come, all right? And that's not to say we shouldn't talk about hard things and we shouldn't challenge each other. We shouldn't hold each other accountable. That's all part of the game. But yet at the heart of God is joy and celebration. And that should be reflected in who we are. And that happens when you hang around other people who encourage your obedience to God. And again, you can find that right here. One of the great benefits of church attendance, among others, I can give you the rest of the list if you'd like that at some point. But today we're just talking about this. One of the great benefits of being here in this community, of taking time, you find other people who can encourage your obedience to God, which leads to joy. Number three, create time. Just create time. And here's how I want to encourage you to do that this week. This is going to be tough, okay? I want to encourage everybody in here, and I'm going to do this as well, to just take one day and carve out 30 minutes. Sounds like it should be easy, but it's not going to be easy. You just take 30 minutes, one day, and you take that moment and that time, those 30 minutes, and just say, God, I want to give thanks to you. Here's how you've answered prayer. Here's how you've provided for me. Here's what you've given to me. Here's how you've blessed me. Here's how you've helped me. And you just begun, begin to run that list and review everything that God has done for you and allow that 30 minutes to fill you with joy in the fact that you are God's work and your life is God's gift to you. 30 minutes. Create time. This is an actual discipline when we think about things that are valuable and important, we give it time. And so this discipline of joy, celebrate, needs a little bit of time and development in our lives. So I'd encourage you to create time. Now, for those who are really hurting right now, and you're listening to this and saying, you know, this doesn't help. Like my life is this or that, and the pain is so raw and so deep, and you're thinking about all of this, and you don't see it, and you don't get it. You don't even want to get it. You're just a little upset and angry at some stuff that's happening to you. All I can say is, give this a shot. Just give it a shot. Right? Like Jesus said, stay attached to my father by obeying him, even when it doesn't line up and when it doesn't make sense. And the result of that is my joy. The joy that I have in my life will be a part of your life and it will be filled to the brim and it will be overflowing. So just give it a shot and see what happens. Memorize John chapter 15, verses 10 and 11 and recite that over and over and over again and allow God's word to wash your mind and fill you with this discipline of celebration and joy because living a genuinely joy-filled life is possible. Let's sharpen this discipline. Father, we're grateful for some time this morning to look at a couple of verses where Jesus was talking to a crowd and he just looked at them and said, you know what, if you want joy, if you really want that in your life, you can have it. 
But you're going to have to obey my father. You're going to have to do what God wants you to do. And then as a result of that, the great benefit is an overflowing kind of joy, a joy in your heart that is just filled to the brim. God, I think if there were a faith community anywhere in the world that really just began to focus on this discipline and to sharpen that, they would be such a bright light in their community and around the world that it would be absolutely shocking. Shocking. And so, God, I pray that you'd help us to be that place. God, I'm so encouraged because I see signs of that happening here and there, and I have people outside of our church say that is such a happy place and a place filled with joy and people are finding real relationships and real significance, and God, that all lines up to just being obedient to you, and when we're obedient, we will have joy. It'll happen even when the circumstances around us might not point to happiness. We can still have that joy that supersedes all of that. So God, help us to act like you. As imperfect people, help us to do our best to have this spiritual discipline of joy be lived out in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us as well on any Sunday morning over at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.